0: Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. February seems to have been a bit of a quiet month in Welsh politics and the key stories coming out of the bay were the basic income package for care leavers and the much discussed smacking ban. Both of these issues have, however, been completely overshadowed by events in Eastern Europe in the last week as Russia invaded Ukraine. Joining us to talk through this and much, much more is UBI Lab Wales's own Jonathan Williams. Hello John. Hi Matt. So, obviously, we're going to go on to talk about everything that's happening in Wales at the minute, but does anyone, before we start, have any feelings on what is happening in Ukraine at the moment?
1: Well, I, I don't think we can have a kind of chatty end in the month pod without mentioning the events of the last week and how incredibly sad it is, and to be honest, incredibly worrying, really. You, you can't really sit here and not be slightly worried, as uh, Vladimir has gone to Nuclear readiness on the back of Liz Truss's uh, Sunday morning comments, and the US goes to DEFCON too. I I think we must mention how incredibly worrying it is at the moment and does kind of put everything else we're going to talk about into perspective, I suppose.
0: Yeah, the only thing I really want to add on this is the sort of importance now of the UK government changing its mind on refugees and allowing people from Ukraine to achieve asylum in the UK. And I think that what we've seen through Welsh Government Action, credit where it's due, the pushing of the fact that Wales is a nation of sanctuary is a really important thing to do at the moment. And I think that should be hugely uh, welcomed and applauded. And let's just all hope that this is resolved as quickly as is physically possible and that those who are displaced can seek sanctuary here in Wales. John, Rich, do you have anything to say before we get on to the proper?
2: Um, Just, I suppose, to echo what everyone else has said. It's incredibly sad. Shocking, you know. I'm um, find glued to the TV, you know, looking for updates. It's um, yeah. So and I suppose what Kerry said is it's, it's terrifying, you know, with everything else that's going on in the world, and you think, think that the next year can't get any worse than the past year, and it just seems to be happening, you know. So um
1: can we- it's very much a kind of like 2022, hold my beer kind of thing. I, I precisely how I was. I explained it to a friend the other day, actually. <laughs>
2: like, yes. Yeah,
1: Okay. But the one thing, I, I, you know, I'll put it out to, to you all and the things I've seen today and read is that there is, I think I think the response by the the world, the Western world, in terms of how to deal with this has been really quite impressive. I, I know there's no boots on the ground, but there has started to be talk of um, kind of a new world order in how we deal with this, which could be really kind of. Um, exciting if, if we can get past this kind of current moment of terror. Like, do you see the potential in that with the kind of cooperation and consensus at uh, that international level, Matt?
0: I mean, I'm not an expert in foreign policy, Kerry. Out of principle, I'm not opposed to broad alliances of people working together to achieve more peace and harmony, and I don't think there are many people out there who are unless you call Vladimir Putin. Yeah, I, I, like I said, Kerry, I think that for what it's worth, I think people, if they want information, they're better off going to places with experts on it. But yeah, like I said, our principle not opposed to broad alliances. We should get NATO near on the pop. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? We that'd be really interesting. You're gonna, you're gonna, we're gonna do this, this at this dance every time you give <laughs> her that nickname, aren't we? Where I have to go through the whole process that you know,
3: Nia was just
0: she was just following line, orders, yeah, the line of the official Labour Party policy that you know, pro NATO.
3: If I may just hop in there, I think there's a couple of things that we, we've talked about on our Biraith, um short form pods that we do for the Patreons that um, is an opportunity to kind of talk a little bit about on, on the main pod feed. One of the things that I, I've i had this kind of be in my bonnet about cosplay government for the last five years, we had Trump essentially not being a president, but pretending to be a president, wanting all the trappings without any of the responsibilities and without wanting to be particularly With overtly political about it, I think you could level the same charge against Boris Johnson, who is, you know, on one hand, you know, fighting off cake and cheese and wine um, because his career depends on it, but then flips into cosplay Churchill mode when it comes to international conflict. And we have, you know, Liz Truss, I don't know what Liz Truss is doing, but literally encouraging people to join an international brigade against the Russian army on, on a television interview. I mean, it is phenomenal how detached from... The actuality of government, this UK government is, and I find that quite quite extraordinary and not a little bit dispiriting. On the flip side, the traditions in Wales, the recent traditions in Wales, and we had Al Edwards coming on the pod here to talk about the beginnings of the Nation of Sanctuary initiative here in Wales a while back. I think one of the things that I feel particularly frustrated about about that is that the Welsh government and Welsh civic society is very keen to advertise its stated ambition of being a nation of sanctuary all the while it is not a nation of sanctuary because the way the UK government immigration setup is in place it literally cannot be even if it wanted to be and I worry a little bit about the detachment from reality uh, of our own sense of goodness and our own sense of feeling like we're doing the right thing but at the same time you know if anybody has seen a copy of the times uh, I think it was today or yesterday where there's a cartoon of Pretty Patel asking uh, a Ukrainian in a burning building, are you sure you're willing to pick fruit to come to the UK or something along those lines? And I think that, you know, the fact that we're still sort of hiding behind the UK government with regards to immigration and asylum is is problematic in the current dynamic. Of course, that may change in the days and weeks to come and hopefully it will do. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Go on. No, no, I
1: was just going to say, you know, we don't want, we can't spend. Matt is right. Yeah. We don't have the expertise, although I would have liked to have talked about Hughes Vodka in uh, Donetsk and the Welsh links there. But I just wanted to leave on a slight positive. After the weekend I've had of berating UEFA and FIFA, you might not have seen it because it's literally just been announced in that they've suspended all the Russian clubs and the national teams from sporting competitions. I do worry that
0: Wales are going to have a bit of a, the Mitchell and Webber we the baddies moment if we play Ukraine in the World yeah. Cup, play our final, and we have, if we knock them out.
2: We had it with Denmark, didn't we? As yeah, well. exactly.
0: We're just going to end up being the international like football baddies yeah. for yeah. trying to get through to the knockout stages of tournaments.
1: But that that Ukrainian uh, game potential, Matt. It, it's uh, <laughs> it's not good, is it? Scotland need to step up. <laughs> <laughs> Scotland you, you can be the villains. You, yeah, you Too need before.
0: Scotland to knock Ukraine out so we're not the bad guys. Oh yes. You're yes. Okay.
3: Well as long as we've got a clear ethical line on all of this, I think that's that's fine. Um together stronger. So uh, just before we move from uh international matters to domestic and union matters. Just wanted to put on everyone's radar that while there's an actual catastrophe over in Eastern Europe at the moment, uh, which is obviously should be forefront of everybody's minds, there's actually another one brewing across the pond to the west. Uh, Anybody who Like us, um, follows American politics, will have known that there's uh, an event called CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, taking place just last weekend, at which a number of things happened. The uh, mainstreaming of pretty hard white nationalism into the Republican Party finally became overt, with people publicly praising. Uh, attending both CPAC and America First Political Action Conference, um, praising Putin and Hitler, um, which is always great um, to see in, uh, in American democracy. And also uh, Donald Trump announcing, you know, more or less announcing that he's going to run again in 2024 among the, the familiar locker up slash big lie about the 2020 election stuff that he was spouting the one of the top things at his list is plan if he gets re-elected to expand the powers of the executive branch in the United States and I think we all need to think about how lucky we are that there were a few Republicans of integrity that stopped him overturning the 2020 election because if we were in this situation with the situation unfolding in Eastern Europe at the moment with Trump in charge, then I think we, you know, I'm not saying that Biden is, a, is performing to a, an incredible standard, but at least he is vaguely coherent and is actually trying to support the Ukrainians. Um, whereas, uh, you know, one doesn't have to uh, um, think too hard to imagine um, Trump selling Ukraine down the Danube. What's the, what's the river? Napier. So we're, we're
0: experts of foreign policy and geography then, is that what we're all saying?
3: Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so let's talk about what we know. Then let's let's bring everything home. Um, let's talk about domestic stuff. John, so
0: obviously when we introduced you onto the show, it was through one of your many masks on UBI Lab Camry. Been quite a milestone month for the campaign, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, it's been incredible. We've finally had some proper details, I suppose, on on what the pilots going to look like. You know, the, the Welsh government should certainly be commended. I think firstly on the amount of money that they're giving care leavers, uh, £1,600 in total, I think it's something like £369 a week, which far exceeds the Joseph Roundtree's minimum income standard, which is about £213 um, before the cost of living crisis. So that's far exceeded the lab's expectations. There's around 500 people now that are going to be eligible for it rather than 250, which they had initially proposed. So it's been more ambitious, I think, I'd have to say that, of course, that the lab initially were pushed, well, we've always pushed for it to be more ambitious and for it to be in a geographic location and for it to include a range of people, you know, from parents, children, employed, unemployed people. But it's within the Welsh Government's gift to deliver this kind of pilot, and I suppose hopefully the kind of results that we get from this pilot will help us to argue that it could be, rolled out across Wales, um, you know, in, in the future. And, you know, as, part, as someone as, that's been invited on the technical advisory group now and will be part of the team that evaluates this pilot, it's, um, it's going to be a really exciting time for, for the lab and myself.
0: So John, I know you're on the, the advisory board. I've got a couple of questions on the, on the data side of things for you. So like you said, should be about 500 people now on this trial. Do you think that's a large enough cohort to get statistically significant bit of data from it? And also, what kind of stuff are they looking for from this trial to see if it's been a success or not?
2: I think I would have had, well, I, we had reservations. I think it's fair to say, you know, when uh, they announced it was going to be 250. I think the fact they've expanded it now to 500 is, is certainly a, a lot more positive. And I think that's, I, you know, I'll be honest with you, I, preferred it to be a lot more you know I I think anybody advocating this idea wants it to be as many people as possible but I think 500 should give us uh, you know some robust data in terms of uh, what impacts this can have on people Um, and in terms of 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 the impacts I suppose you know what we're looking for the usual things you know does it significantly improve physical and mental well-being you know will it improve educational attainment and so you know we'll we'll care leavers continue in their education or will they go back to school or you know that type of thing and I suppose you know w- whether or not they'll be entrepreneurial as well so you know you might find that people are setting up small businesses um, and, and doing that sort of thing as well so I think those that's the type of data they'll be looking at among other things that you know I'm sure people on the on the committee are far brighter than me that will uh, <laughs> will think about as well but um yeah uh, a, a range of things. Uh,
0: that they'll be looking at. Like you said, I think the reaction to the announcement was very positive, both in terms of, uh, for a lot of people, the way it was targeted, the amount of support, but there were a, a, a number of critical voices. How involved will those critical voices be in the determination of whether this has been a success or not? For example, the advisory board. Is the advisory board made up of exclusively people who uh, have been passionate campaigners for policy in the past? Or... Will there be people who can be critical friends to it?
2: No, I think that, well, it's certainly not made up of people who have been advocating this for a very long time. Um, You know, there are people who, I suppose, that there's some people on the board that are perhaps uncertain about the idea. I think that's a good thing. I think the way that, you know, the term that you use there, critical friend, is precisely what you need now. I think you need to be objective about this. Those voices who... Perhaps we'll see things that someone like myself will not see because, obviously, um, you know, pushing this policy so passionately is, um, yeah, well, I know that there's not people, I know that people on there uh, have not been advocating this all of their lives or, or for a significant amount of time. But, uh, you know, hopefully they will add something different to the group and uh, and allow us, like I said, to see things that might not necessarily have seen if, uh, if you, you know, sort of, not not rose-tinted glasses I sentence to that effect, at least, you know.
1: I think one of the things we've got to say about it, John, and I, I've messaged you about part of it when you were announced on the, on the group, whether it's UBI or not, I think we've got to applaud Welsh Government for the policy in terms of care lever support. And, you know, we can talk about the UBI side of it, but in terms of what we're doing for those who are most vulnerable with so little, with no, you know, support, I, I, I think it's one of the best Welsh Government policies of the 20 years of um devolution to be honest
2: it, it's not a ubi is it and and i don't think any pilot would ever be a, a universal basic game i think you could sort of design something that could be as close as possible to it by for example you know putting in a geographic location and having a wide range of people but i think you're absolutely right Kay. you know it's you know we've had a conversation about this it's um it's an excellent policy for a group of
3: people who are incredibly vulnerable, you know, and deserve deserve support. Uh, can I ask a question about this? I think I think back to when this all got was announced initially, and and largely speaking, there's a perception that Mark Drakeford accidentally announced a UBI pilot. How close do you think this policy, which I agree with you, Kerry? Actually, I think it's a really good care leavers policy. How much of it do we think is actually what? Mark Drakeford intended back after he won the election and how much of it has evolved because of the involvement of the greatest sort of UBI campaign community in Wales and beyond? Yeah, it's a really
0: interesting question, that isn't it? I'm not too sure whether the amount of payment would have been quite as high had it been a targeted had it been targeted support for care leaders unless the UBI campaign had been involved, because there was a pressure to set it at a level where it could theoretically still be a proper basic income trial, as opposed to just targeted care leave support, which is very worthy in in and of itself, but not, not a basic income trial. So it's good that the care, it's good, I think, that the basic income campaigns have been involved in that to get it to such an ambitious level. But I do go back, and this goes back to the questions we had when we had John on the pod, before, really. And this is stuff that has come out in, I mean, the, the Welsh Affairs Select Committee at Westminster doing uh, doing an inquiry into the Welsh benefit system. And one of the things they repeatedly asked about was, does labelling this as a, a UBI pilot actually damage it? Because it takes away support for targeted support like this by people who really don't like the idea of a universal basic income. And, it, and it's not really a trial of UBI, because of course, sixteen hundred pounds a month will benefit five hundred care leavers, but that's not what you're looking for in a basic income pilot. You, you know, I, I I go back to it all the time. The the Rodri Morgan line, you know, services reserved for the poor quickly become poor services. The idea behind universalism is that everyone can benefit from it, and everyone can see the benefits in it more widely through society and that is the, one of the major arguments for UBI is that everyone gets it because it you see different advantages all across the, the piece so it's it's a fascinating question and you have to wonder if Julie James hadn't slightly misspoke the weekend after the L- Labour won the election whether you would have seen well one a basic income pilot of any kind and two such generous support for caregivers.
3: I'd forgotten it was Julie James, yeah, sorry, yes, I thought it was Mark Drakeford, yes, Julie James. I do remember now reports from behind the scenes in Welsh Welsh Government after that interview, wasn't there? the end of the day, what I I worry about a little bit is what happens when this trial finishes um, for care leavers, because if it's proved to obviously be life-changing for those care leavers compared to care leavers who would not have had this support payment, after leaving care, which one would imagine that it is, is it going to be continued? And is Welsh Government going to fund that in the future? That is a, a really interesting question. Is this Welsh, Is the Welsh Government going to find for the rest of this term or even going beyond that, the money to do this for all care leavers? And if not, I mean, they're in a bit of a bind because, you know, the, the results of their own experiment will be proving to them that it is useful and, of course, makes a huge difference. And yet there'll be under pressure to do it no matter what but you know because the evidence will be there to prove that it makes a difference i'm i find it very very interesting to see what what the politics of this are going to be i know that that's a sidebar to actually making a difference to the lives of the care leavers but i the welsh government just seems to be making traps for itself further down the line and i'm not sure whether it's canny enough to avoid them what do you think chaps it certainly help if they had welfare powers didn't it matthew now you know that that's Something that's better delivered across <laughs> all peoples of the union together, um, no matter what. And um, I think it's very unsocialist of you to um, to suggest otherwise. Mm-hmm. John, have you got oh, any thoughts on our musings or Kerry? This
0: you want to come back. Yeah. To?
1: Well, I I just want to say I I I do think it's a great policy. Um, I'm hoping it's a step change on that kind of policy for those who really do need it. Um, I think it's it's one we should do on a pod gents but it's something I'm I'm writing about now in a manifesto should we say but I think those kind of people who don't have a voice in society in the the care sector and the care sector doesn't really get much of a focus in Wales and we're talking about but there's over seven thousand children in Wales looked after away from home in various settings and it's going up it's not going down over the course, course of devolution and it, it, that's the kind of area which I want to get into politics for. To give, we, we don't see it in manifestos greatly. It's not something you hear on a lot of speeches because, you know, the cynic in me, do those people vote? And I, I really am impressed with the policy. I, th- I think it's great, and I'm hoping it's the start of something much bigger in where we focus services and support.
2: Yeah, I, just, I suppose, it, you know, it's, I think... What Rich was saying is, is really important, actually, you know, in, in that you can't just stop this payment after two years. But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, you well, that's my view, you know, you can't do that. And, and also I think there has to be, you know, perhaps, you know, tapering it off in some way might be one way of looking at it, you know, one thing you could do. But I suppose in addition to that as well, I think, you know, a lot of these people who are in care will never have seen this kind of money uh, before in their lives, you know, and, and so leaving care at 18 years old, all of a sudden get getting £1,600 a month and it being unconditional, you know, there's, there has to be some sort of wraparound service uh, with this where they're offering people you know, financial advice, I think, which, like I said, goes against the principles of uh, a UBI, but a lot of people at this age wouldn't have had uh, £1,600 or, or of money before, so they need, they need some sort of financial assistance, I think, or advice. You I know, mean, if I had sixteen hundred pounds a, a month at eighteen years old, I, I wouldn't have known what to do with it. So, I think that needs to be taken into consideration. well.
0: Anything else in UBI, chaps?
3: Well, the only thing that I would add to that is that I think what we're seeing very interestingly uh, is an experiment about what the purpose of government is. I thought, it was, I think it's just really interesting that the policy here in Wales, this particular policy, has not had, had, no, has general support across people, because I think people see this this particular community, and there are other similar communities, but they see this particular community as being vulnerable, and they see government intervention to try and make that transition out of care as being valuable, and, um, you know, that's what the purpose of government is, whereas that is a very deep contrast with the union government across the border, which is, on the surface, at least, or at least in the, in terms of rhetoric, seeing this kind of intervention um, as something that they want to get away from, particularly as we drift towards either a, a SUNAT government or a trust government at some point in the future, and I just think that's a really interesting divergence. It'll be an interesting one to see how it evolves. I mean, whether it it ends up being significantly consequential. I mean, you know, at a, at a political level, I don't know, but I think it does again indicate that the Welsh Labour is closer to public opinion in Wales than the Conservatives are across the border. And I think that's a really interesting thing that we will have to just keep an eye on uh, over the course of this policy running its duration. And then when it does come to the end of its um, pilot phase, um, we'll evaluate then about what the public think about it. And it would be really good. I mean, imagine a world where we actually had... Wales-only polling on a regular basis, where we could actually test public opinion on these things and kind of track that stuff over time. I and mean, it would be absolutely amazing. But there we are. When our Patreon hits a million pounds a month, uh, we'll commission YouGov ourselves to get that polling done. They'll only be able to tell us exactly what's happening in Wales and the West
0: Midlands, so... Well, yeah, it be interesting for Birmingham Council as well. Maybe when the Patreons get us a million quid, we'll set up our own polling company and do it that way. We'll do it that way. John, another thing... You, you, I mean, you've had a very busy couple of weeks, but another thing you wrote recently was about the smacking band's introduction in Wales. Would you be able to talk us a little bit about what you wrote for National?
2: So another hat that I've acquired uh, over recent weeks is uh, being the National's legal beagle. And I, first one I picked was quite a controversial topic, uh, to say the least. And, yes, yeah, it's, it's something that's coming in. Oh, it escapes me now. I think it's the 21st of March that it's coming in. Essentially it's banning all, all use of physical force uh to discipline your child. So they're taking away uh the reasonable punish punishment and element of uh of a defense, which was used to be a defence, sorry, for, for smacking your child. So yes, yeah, it's, it's coming into force. Obviously there's I can't remember his, what's the, the Senate member's name now? Um he's up in the north. Well, he I think he called it, you know. What did he say? Soviet culture, uh, yeah. It, to I, think Stasi- I think Gareth Davis. Gareth, Gareth Davis.
1: Yeah. You know James
2: Davis's the, brother. It returned to the Stasi, I think he said, and so I had to allude to that in the piece. I thought, yeah. well, the Stasi hasn't made to come back in Scotland anyway. So uh, you know, and they've had it for quite some time. I, I didn't want to give. I didn't really give an opinion in it. You know, I just wanted to lay out the facts in the piece.
0: Thanks, John. It's it's um, like you said. There's been a bit of controversy around it it's one of these areas where do you think that that is manufactured controversy and do you think that actually most people are in favor of the move to remove this as a defense
2: I I think it is manufactured I think unfortunately uh, a lot of it is uh, manufactured controversy I, I just think it's times have changed haven't they you know and I think that just people have accepted well like I said everyone I've spoken to have just sort of accepted this now it's just where we are now, the way the modern world. You know, I wouldn't think about doing it to my little boy. And like I said, a lot of people I've spoken to have all agreed with it. So I just think it's just part of this becoming more modern.
0: How would you think this will be enforced by police forces in Wales, John? Because obviously, without getting too technically with the legal aspect of things, reasonable chastisement was a defence, of course, to assault and battery. So there's still a chance that, police forces could not see the need to bring parents in for acts like this, isn't there?
2: Yeah, it's, it's going to be done on a sort of a case-by-case basis. You know, but So the reports that they'll have, they'll, they'll take the circumstances into consideration. Like, I don't think that you know, every single case somebody's going to be prosecuted for it. You know, I don't think that's the intention. I think intention was to make the law more clear. You know, It was pretty grey, the law, reasonable punishment element. And I think they just turned around and said, well, look, we're just going you know, to ban it, you know. And of course, then it's down to the police if they receive a report to be sensible about the report they receive.
1: I I, I just think it's really, really difficult. I was brought up probably with the odd tap as well, but it's not something um, I'm against. I'm just interested to see how it will improve uh, the wider kind of issues, which we talked about again. For me, it links into that kind of wider issues around the vulnerable children in society and how we um, protect them in many ways, not just that kind of physical chastisement which they, they get at home, that support. It's one I think we perhaps do need to uh, do a pod on the children's commissioner, perhaps. My initial thoughts on the smacking ban was
0: that it was unnecessary, initial thoughts. But as soon as you start to think of it as a, as a, a legal and moral question, there's no defence like this for adults, is there? You could, there's self-defence, right? But there's no he-deserved-it clause in defence for an adult. You can't say he was, he was slagging me off, so I smacked him in the face. He's annoying me, so I hit him. There was, there's nothing like that in, 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 in law to defend you against an adult hitting you. So why on earth should a child not have even a higher standard of protection against an adult? So that's why I've now, I, as soon as I thought about it in those terms, it's it's a simple answer to me. It's a really simple answer. There's definitely a generation of people who who will initially think, wow, that's that's a superfluous change in the law. We don't need that. But I think if anyone actually takes any time to think about it at all, it's a pretty clear and necessary change in the law. So the next thing I want to talk about, which is, the cooperation agreement. I want to see where we're at with the cooperation agreement and see if there are any signs of tension showing. So uh, the one thing I want to bring up in, in to highlight this question is the recent debate we had in the Senate on rent controls, a legislative proposal by mabanab guin the Plaid spokesperson for housing. Um, now, to me, it feels as though them pushing forward, Plyde pushing forward with a, a measure like this when there is already something in the cooperation agreement to deal with rent controls, there'll be a white paper soon, it feels like Clyde are trying to have their cake and eat it, be part of government and be able to use opposition debates as a stick to beat Labour into acting faster. You'd feel as though with the cooperation unit in place and with this very uh, very detailed memorandum explaining how all disputes can be uh, resolved within the cooperation agreement with now you've got two plery spads in place, you'd feel like there should be a way to deal with disputes such as this. we want this issue to move faster without having to use the public realm of debates in order to try and embarrass labor into acting quicker so to me, it just feels as though this is the kind of move by Plaid Cymru that could really threaten the stability of the cooperation agreement if they, cu- if they keep trying to play their dual role as opposition and as partner. Um, I think it will lead to annoying the Welsh Labour Party. And I feel as though there's a real risk that if they're not careful, Plaid will be outmaneuvered by Welsh Labour in government too. I don't know if anyone has any thoughts on
1: this. I have to be honest, Matt. I think you are a lot closer to the coal face on it uh, than I am. I, I haven't really seen anything in the in the kind of working world I've got or what I've read that these kind of tensions are there. I, I, I don't doubt what you have said is probably developing, but I just I just haven't seen it yet at the moment. That it's just been a really quiet month in the the Senate for me, so I just haven't seen that. It really has been the UBI care leavers, uh, pilot, which has dominated for me.
0: Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's too quiet, Kerry. And I'm just, you know, creating imagined slights, but to me, it just feels like the sort of thing that could be resolved behind closed doors and not need this public forum to, to air the grievances. Rich, I can see you formulating
3: something. Yeah. I mean, it, it, are there elections on the horizon, Matt? Uh, Yes, there are. Um, If you're essentially a junior party in a coalition that is as close to a coalition as it's possible to be, do you have to inspire and activate your support base? Is housing one of the central planks of the Plaid Cymru campaign at the moment? Of course it is. If you are quietly doing things behind closed doors with the Welsh Labour government, and then the Welsh Labour government is seen as the front runner on all of this stuff. Is that going to be helpful for you in the upcoming elections? No, no, it is not. Um, So I think, you know, Welsh Labour have got tougher skin, frankly, than, you know, this kind of thing, because we've seen, you know, similar um, debates like this over, over the years, uh, even in the time of the compact to move Wales forward for those vintage Senedd watchers like myself um, from the previous Senedd, it happens. It's the reality of politics. It is It is really important for key issues to get their airing in public for political parties because how else can you be seen to champion what is important for your base? So behind the scenes, it may be a little bit of um, uh, grit in the machine, but I, I don't think Welsh Labour are that delicate a flower that this kind of thing will really destroy them it might irritate them you know there's no indication at the moment that the com the what is it called what did you say it's not the compact it's, it's not well the the, the compliance agreement, agreement the compliance agreement uh, yeah. Known <laughs> by the end of time. yeah it's barely got started there's a lot of there's a lot of water to run under the bridge and not it just feels like there, there will be teething troubles and frankly there'll also be campaigning. I mean there'll be more campaigning this year with local government elections on just a matter of months away than there probably will be next year.
2: As long as it doesn't jeopardise this promise to get more members mm. in the Senate, and uh, we'll get some Greens in there as well Kat. So, uh,
1: That's a lovely link you've just provided <laughs> with, <laughs> honestly, you've all, have, we that with me John, honestly. you went over the segways,
0: you know. We were just going to talk about that, Paul.
1: <laughs> so um, yeah, so
0: there has been a poll out today saying that there is a majority of people in favour of expanding the Senedd. So the poll showed quite a stark generational and linguistic divide with 61% of 16 to 34 year olds wanting to see more members of the Senedd, um, compared to just 34% of those aged over 55. Unsurprisingly, there's a Majority of Welsh speakers in favour of increasing the number of the Senate members compared to uh, less monoglot English speakers in favour of expanding the Senate. But it does show that there seems to be broad consensus behind expanding the Senate. But I suppose this then boils down to the question of how will it be reformed and whether the 12 million expert panels that Wales has had looking at Senate reform. Can survive the brutal, harsh light of political reality um we've talked a lot on this pod in the past about how the most likely scenario is probably something called super de haunt or de haunt plus, and I think that that is still the very likely scenario. And I think that has only been buttressed by the fact, if you look at the cooperation agreement, the exact wording is a electoral system, which is uh, as proportionate as the, at least as proportionate as the one we have now, which to me screams, uh, we'll keep all our first past the post. Thank you very much. And you'll have a little bit more PR, but um, I'd be fascinated on your guys' thoughts on, on the likelihood of, of genuine, uh, electoral reform or the chance of us, uh, chances of Wales getting 100 Senedd anyway? Uh,
3: it's not going to happen, is it? There's not going to be electoral reform. There might be an expansion of the Senate, but there's not going to be electoral reform. Uh, when we spoke to Steve Thomas uh, last week, I think he, he basically... I mean, he injected a lot of reality into the discussions we were having about local government reform. And I think he also mentioned something about Senator reform. And basically, we should not expect any significant democratic reform in Wales um, until it is politically useful for the government or the main party in Wales, which is the Labour Party, to do it. And uh, for as long as it's not in the Labour Party's interest, it's not going to happen. So just everyone's just got to deal with that i think a bigger senate is inevitable though i mean they have committed to that Uh, and that's that's just a reflection of the fact that you know the the the, the number of members that we have was underpowered from the start um and given that the the senate is now a completely different beast to what it was in 1999 it's ridiculous to think that uh, 60 members is enough um so uh, I think everybody is signed up to that. Even even a number of the Conservatives, frankly, you know, they they can't say it publicly, but they are. Um, so that will happen, but it, it will likely be an uh, you know, Dehant Plus does sound like the worst subscription TV service that you could possibly pay for, doesn't it? Um, um, but yeah, I think it's going to be something like that. Uh, alas, um, another great golden opportunity for reform will go begging in the history of Wales. Two points on this. So going back to the the. Poll which showed that
0: the people of Wales wanted more members of the Senate. I think there's a really good case to say this is not a well constructed question. So, the exact wording of the question asked is a panel of experts said the current number of 60 was too low to represent the people of Wales, hold the Welsh Government to account, and deal with its growing workload effectively. As a result, they recommended an increase to around 90 members. This will incur extra costs. The Scottish Parliament has 129 elected members, while the Northern Ireland Assembly has 90 elected members. To what extent do you agree or disagree that the number of Senate members should be increased to around 90? To me, that's a bit of a leading question. There's, t- there's too much information in that question to, to make it a fair gut reaction. Paul, don't get me wrong, I'm sure we'll all take it. We'll all be very happy for this statistical discovery that people in Wales want more politicians. But I just feel that if you are asked another thousand people the straight up question do you want more members of the senate i don't think you'd get an answer as positive as the one this poll shows and then going to my second point back onto back onto electoral reform i think that you're never going to get a senate which is more proportional whilst the trade unions uh, which back the party don't want a more proportional system. They will never back a system which makes it harder for Labour to gain a majority. So until you get the trade unions and probably a lot of the
3: MPs on side, you're not going to have it. Sorry to depress everybody. Well, well, I agree with your, your second question. I think the reality of that first question. And let's, you know, let's try and channel our inner Steve Thomas and um, uh, deal with the reality. I think if you asked a thousand random people across Wales, "Do you want more members of the Senate? and there was an option for "What is the Senate, that would probably come out as the most popular reply on that particular question. You can't ask that question. Uh, you have to give context, and quite obviously, trying to bring a certain type of result out of it, which I mean, we could complain about that. We could, of course, anybody could complain about that. But you know, it's like the people who used to say uh, in the debates when after the Thomas Commission report, you know, members of the Welsh Affairs Select Committee in London. Nobody talks about the devolution of justice on the doorstep. When I'm knocking doors, they're talking about health and education. It's like, well, yes, but you also have you also have to do the right thing that maybe people aren't that isn't a massively salient thing you still have to do the actual job of government which goes back to things earlier that I mentioned about you know not all government is is great you know media worthy public statements that will enhance your public reputations a lot of government is just quite dull functional work that does stuff that will no one will ever notice that is just as important and you know I don't really feel that criticizing people for trying to make things better that maybe they have to maybe they have to lead horses to water to do it but you know I think it's still making things better is what we should all be aiming for um and um yeah not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna whoever whoever carefully crafted that uh question over a cappuccino somewhere in Pontcana I'm not gonna I'm not gonna criticize them for it
1: This the the poll came out today, so I didn't really prep for it for here, but it goes back to some of my uh, thinking on representative numbers from in the past. And the one which still stands out for me is that uh, I think we've got 14 ministers in um, the Welsh Government. You've got the presiding officer, Uh, I'm not sure where the deputy presiding officer fits, but you've got 15 or deputy presiding officers can't vote. Yeah, okay, so you've got 16, so over 25%. Over 25% of those we elect um, are actually outside the representative body. You know, we'll get into detail about the executive executive and the legislature. So essentially, we've got a legislature of 43, 44. So when you look at it like that, we do need more. Um, And I could be persuaded on that. Definitely persuaded we need more, but I think it's linked in for me on a wider discussion on the executive and legislature approach, we've got. Uh, John, did you have anything to
0: add on my on my cynical points? Or no,
2: just just to, just to say, you're really depressed to be Matt. No, no. Um, I think that I think you're pretty much bang on. It. Um, I think we will probably an expansion somewhere in the region of ninety to hundred, but it's probably going to be more people on the list, um, and they'll keep their first past the post, which of course benefits Welsh Labour. So. If from their point of view, why would they change that? You know, as, as everyone's alluded to. So, um, yeah, I think.
0: Uh... It's a really tricky thing to work out in this agreement, right? Because so you, you, you end up in this really tricky catch-22 situation where Clyde won't vote for anything that isn't at least as proportional. But let's face it, they want something more proportional than what we currently have. And you won't get... Labour to vote for anything that is more proportional so if Labour were to suggest something that was less proportional it wouldn't get through which they wouldn't mind a lot of people in Labour wouldn't mind that that wouldn't happen because they're quite happy with it keeping it the same number it's one of these things that's going to be have to be worked and worked and worked on in the next couple of years but I think that the Welsh Labour group in the Senate is absolutely going to have to take charge of this and, and and say to the trade unions and the MPs that it has to be at least de haunt plus. It can't it can't just be more and more first past the post with an increased size of the Senate.
3: Yeah, and, and they're going to want to reduce the admin overhead because they have committed to having whatever changes in place by the time of the next Senate election. Um, and what they don't want to be doing is ending up uh, redrawing the constituency map Um, you know because that's going to take forever and that will slow the whole thing down so I think I think it ultimately will come down to priorities what's more important is it more important to have more members of the Senedd or is it more important for Ply Cymru to argue for greater proportionality and I think in that you know in that circumstance more Senedd members will win because the hope would be that the the more Senate members there are that naturally there will be a greater diversity, you know, not just political diversity, but, you know, one would hope diversity of thought across the whole uh, chamber. Um, But uh, the argument that I think, and and I think this is where it gets interesting, you know, if the Labour Party refuses to budge from the level of proportionality, then the leverage that Ply Cymru has, well, Ply Cymru can argue for more members. Um, you say, well, OK, we'll maintain the current level of proportionality, but we push the, you know, go from whatever it was originally, like 80, go up close to 100, if not 100. So, you know, there's an argument to be had there. And, and, and let's, again, let's stick with pragmatism and reality. Ply Cymru will want to have a bigger Senate the next election. And if Labour Party say, well, you can only have that if you do it this way, then ultimately that's probably what will happen. You know that will be imperfect no doubt but it'll be better than where we are now i'm sure that the the debate will rage but whatever whenever it happens it will be leave us in a better position than we yeah where we are now and on that lovely point focusing on outcomes and not maps
0: from mr richard martin i want to say thank you all three of you for being with us this evening um we'll start with John. if people want to hear more from you john where can they go to find you on twitter
2: at jrw26 i had to think about that <laughs> and can I just say the lab one as well? Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Um, at UBI Lab
0: Wales. Wonderful. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard this evening, please do not forget to find Here Ith on our socials, on Facebook and Twitter, at Here Ith Pod, or on our brand new shiny website, www.walespolitics.com. Thank you for listening to Here Ith. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review.